welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Olson, and I'm joined on the road by our Miami Hurricanes basketball beat writer, Michelle Kaufman. Michelle, how's it going? It's going fun. I'm in Denver. I'm about to get on a plane to Kansas City. It's, uh, you know, not the most direct route, but <laughs> it was a very expensive plane ticket. Let me put it that way. And we had to, the Miami Herald, we had to do what we could to be able to be here to cover this great big game for all of you guys so hopefully you'll appreciate these long layovers and uh flights through <laughs> on routes yeah i heard that airport isn't that the airport that people like they've got all the conspiracy theories about like there's all the uh there's it's like a i've never been there it's supposedly like a weird historical airport with all these symbols but we are way off track already um we've got a lot yes. of basketball to talk about let's uh, get on men, track the men and women both in the Sweet 16, one of only four team, schools in the country with both their women's, men's and women's teams in the Sweet 16. Uh, let's start with the men because that's the team you're on your way to cover. Uh, we previewed their first round last week, and um, I got to say, it didn't exactly go the way I expected. They really struggled with uh, Drake down to the, the end there. Um, definitely not the way we expected that game to go with Isaiah Wong and uh, Taylor DeVries. Uh both, or sorry, Tucker DeVries, both kind of no-showing. Uh, Miami has to win with defense in the end. I thought that was a very encouraging sign. And then two days later, uh, they blitz Indiana. They obviously had to pull it out at the end. They, in the second half, it became a tighter game before they pulled away again. But they really blitzed them at the start of the game. Um, one of the more impressive performances I think you, you we saw across the country over the weekend. So now Houston on Friday night, uh, in a lot of people's mind, the favorite here in this tournament. Um, Michelle, let's start with re- a quick recap of last week. What encouraged you most about what we saw from Miami that, that maybe gives you confidence um, about what they could do uh, right. this well, weekend against Houston? Yeah, one of the things is that Norchad O'Meara played. You yes, know, yeah. <laughs> when this tournament first started and we were on Selection Day, um, he, he arrived at Selection Day in a cart. And his, you know, there, there was a lot of question whether he would even be able to play. So, first of all, that was a big thing that that he was able to play. I do not think they would be where they are today. No, certainly not. And neither does Coach L or anybody else, I don't think, if, if he had not played. So that was number one. And then, you know, what was encouraging is how they came back. Isaiah Wong turned around from basically his worst game of the season, one of 10, to score 27 points in, in every imaginable way. And, uh, you know, Jordan Miller had an incredible game and, mm-hmm. you know, Nigel Pack. I mean, all these guys that they started so strong against Indiana and they they really just used their speed. It was just their speed and athleticism yeah. is something that Indiana just had never dealt with. And, uh, you know, and even when they got close, they, you know, they got close, but Miami pulled away again in the second half. And so, you know, I just think that their their speed, their athleticism, their cohesion, um, and, and now they're, they're, they're confidence, you know, they're, they're feeling very confident having beaten Indiana. Yeah. Um, uh, but this, you know, this will be a different kind of game. Houston, their defense is, um, you know, Miami has been averaging 80 points, whatever they scored 85 against Indiana and Houston. I just looked it up. They're number two in scoring defense in the whole country, 56.6 mm-hmm. points per game, 56.6. That's, you know, 25 points less than what Miami averages uh, and 36.1% on, on field goal percentage and 27% on three point percentage. So, you know, they're facing literally like the best defense 
in the country. Now, the one thing that Coach L talked to us yesterday about is that unlike Indiana and, you know, Duke and Wake Forest and some of those teams that have big guys, um, he said that Houston is really kind of a mirror image physically. Yes, yeah, a very stylistic match, I would say, to very Miami. Deep matchup and a lot of guards. Guys. Yeah. Three guards, three really good guards, which is the same as Miami. A lot of good guards who can score a lot of points. And then they're very, very physical um, and they're thicker. They're a little thicker than Miami, other than Norchad, who has the bulk. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a team that looks a lot more like Miami and plays more like Miami, although at a much slower pace. They don't they don't score 85 points a game, right. but they are definitely capable of scoring. Yeah. To me, the, the two biggest takeaways from the weekend. One, as I mentioned, the defense at the end of the Drake game. I can't remember yeah. a single moment this year where they won a game with defense. I don't know if that is something they can count on. You know, Drake is obviously, you know, a mid-major program, does not have the horses that Miami does. Um, I don't know if that's something they can count on to win games, but it's basically the best they played defense at any point all season. Um, my big concern with this team going into the tournament As I said, I think they can beat anyone on any given night because of how good their offense is. But I I think it's tough to win six games in a row when you have a mediocre defense, which is ultimately what theirs is uh, based on the body of work they have this season. Uh, That was obviously they're playing defense as well as they have at any point this year. They defended, I thought, Indiana very smartly, just throwing a whole bunch of bodies at Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, Jaden Huchifino got his two but they kind of dared everyone else to beat them and and they couldn't. And that's the other big takeaway is Miami's really deep. I mean, we saw, obviously we knew going in what you've got three all conference guys and Isaiah Wong, Norshad Omir, once it was clear, he's pretty much healthy. You know, I'm sure he's still not quite a hundred percent, but not noticeably uh, dinged up anymore. Um, And Jordan Miller, obviously then you got Nigel Pack, who was probably the single biggest reason they won the Drake game. Obviously we know he got hot. He's been a little streaky, but coming on strong here. And then the emergence of Wuga Poplar, who looks like. Yes. And that um, is the question mark. That is a question mark. He did not. He yes. only shot yesterday. He did shooting, but he did not practice fully yesterday. Um, you know, he fell on his tailbone. Right. Uh, in the game, you know, chasing a rebound. And um, that's a very, da- that's a very uh, painful. Yes. In- you could hear him groaning, you know, <laughs> through the microphone. Um, that's a very painful injury. I think he, you know, I think he's going to play once the lights come on and it's time for the Sweet 16. I think he's going to want to play, and, and he really is a critical player because the, it's going to be a very physical matchup. And you know, Miami really doesn't have size, but Wuga Wuga has become one of the better defenders on the team. Bensley mm-hmm. Joseph is also a very good defender. Um, both of those guys have really stepped up this year, especially in the final third of the season or whatever. Wuga and Bensley Joseph have both been really big and Harlan Beverly has also stepped in here and there too. So yeah. the team is much deeper uh, than it's been. And, and um, you know, but Wuga's Wuga's availability is going to be very key to this game. Yeah. You just touched down. So there was, and so you're not at practice today in Kansas city, but uh, there was a report there that he was taking part in practice, I guess. So obviously a good sign. Like you said, he just shot Wednesday. Technically this is his full first full practice of the week, obviously also Miami's last real practice of the week. I'm sure they'll shoot around tomorrow morning um, or Friday morning before the game, but uh, definitely a positive development. Yeah. He's blossomed. Like he's going to be the guy next year. It sure seems like obviously Isaiah Wong is going to be gone. Um, you know, I guess Nigel Pack uh, could be back, but um, 
that's going to be the, you know, in the way that it's kind of a, a lot of ways Wong and Pack driving the offense this year. It sure seems like it's going to be Wuga and uh, Pack next year with obviously uh, Norchad as, as the big man again. Like that's a, it's a huge development, not just, like I said, for next year, but uh, this year they go five, like their entire starting lineup is a threat offensively right now. And that is, there's not really not a whole lot of teams in college basketball that can say that. That was the biggest dip, difference, I think, with Indiana, who probably had the, you know, Trace Jackson Davis. Obviously, Isaiah Wong was incredible, but Trace Jackson Davis, that first team All-American, you know, was maybe the second best player in the country this year behind Zach Eady. Um, but the difference was Miami could go five deep and Indiana couldn't. It'll be a different test against Houston, who is, we've mentioned, maybe the deepest team in the country, um, this side of Alabama. So, it, it's a really fun match of styles. Um, and, you know, but again, Miami, their offense is so good. They've got so many different guys, right? Like Wong no-shows on uh, Friday night to the point where he, they, he's not even in the lineup at the end of the game for, for long stretches of crunch time. Um, and then two days later, he's the best player on the floor. So that's the luxury right. that Miami has right now. Yeah, one thing that Coach L also pointed out yesterday is that um, their, their round of 32 games – were um or wait their no their first game but in both tournaments last year and this year were similar yes in that um you know they they beat auburn you know they uh, well he no the first he said that they no he said that the round of 32 the round of 32 the um wait a minute the round of 32 game yes round of 32 they kind of blitzed in uh a team that was favored what he was saying is how they got into the sweet 16 was very similar both years they, both years they had to play at Auburn. They had to play a team that had two NBA players, yes. big guys, and they ended up using their speed and athleticism to slow them down, and they beat them by 18 points to yeah. get in the Sweet 16. This year they also had, you know, they had Trace um, Jackson Davis. They had, you know, size. They ended up using their speed and athleticism to slow, you know, to slow, uh, to, um, you know, play better against the slow Indiana team, and they won by 16 points. So it's very, very similar, those two games. He said the difference is last year when they got into the Sweet 16, their opponent was an 11th seed, yeah. Iowa State. And this year, their opponent is a number one seed. Yeah, and they've so like set it up because they faced Kansas, obviously, in the Elite Eight. So right. It's he like they're getting they that matchup Kansas. around ahead of time. Right. He said then they faced Kansas. And, you know, while they were ahead at halftime, they ended up losing to no- the number one seed. And that was the end of their run. This year they're facing the number one seed one round earlier. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a, a different uh a different path, but you know, the way they're playing and and like the, the big thing is how are they shooting? You know, if Isaiah, if Isaiah's on and Jordan Miller's on, both of them, and then you have Nigel Pack hitting threes, they're very, very hard to stop. Very yeah. hard to stop. Yeah, if they play the way they played against Indiana, they can definitely knock off yes. Houston. If they play the yes, way they, they play against Drake, anybody. they can't win. Like they, right. they can't afford. Exactly. A, they need like three or four of their five starters to both all be really good, which they got yes. against Indiana, and they did not necessarily get against right. Drake. Um, one last thing I want to talk about on basket on the men's team: uh, a lot of Jim Laranega love this week. Oh God! Uh, obviously, very well deserved. Um, I, I I've been. I mean, he's obviously the best coach in this program's history. Um, you, you've been in South Florida sports for a long time. Is he, like, I've been thinking, is he on that top, that Mount Rushmore of guys? Obviously, a, a Final Four run, I think, would solidify that. But, um, you, like I said, you've been around a lot of coaches down here. What makes him stand out compared to some of these other guys? You know, I, he's 
maybe not quite in the like Shula Spolster range, but I, I think he's not far off from, well, from some of the greats down here. In, in some ways, in some ways, some of the things he does are more impressive yeah. because he he gets the most out of players who are not McDonald's All Americans. You know, mm-hmm. you know the Miami Heat had the big three. Uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson, those teams had the most incredible recruits. They had the best talent yeah. uh, in, in college bat in college football that, that went on to play, you know, half, half of those teams went on to play in the NFL. I'm not saying, I mean, I love Jimmy Johnson. He's an amazing coach and was an amazing coach, but what Jim Laranega is doing with, and you know, all you have to do is look back at what he did with George Mason. I mean, yes. he did that with George Mason. He went to the final four with George Mason. So he is now making sweet 16s on a regular basis with a Miami team that does, still does not, even for all the love he's getting right now, they do not get all the top recruits. They do not get the McDonald's All-Americans. They don't get, you know, they're they're getting the second tier players and, you know, they're getting the three star recruits. Yeah. Once in a while, a four star, you know, they're getting uh, transfers. He's very, very good at the transfer portal. Um, and has it always has been it's not just the nil stuff yeah it's not this is not an nil thing this has been going on since you know shane larkin angel rodriguez Rodriguez. kenny kaji i mean the list goes on and on you know trey mckinney jones i mean the list goes on so this is not even an nil thing this is just he really likes older players he loves older players he Mm -hmm. loves taking guys who have already played in college they're over the jitters of college they know how to play college basketball and then he hones their skills and he's really, really, he's such an amazing professor of basketball yeah. for, for reporters and for the players. And all the players say the same thing. They learn so much about the game of basketball from him and they all, everybody improves. I mean, I have watched this team now under him for 12 years and you see the progression of Isaiah Wong three years ago and Isaiah Wong now, Wuga Poplar now, Wuga Poplar last year. I mean, every guy every single guy on that team improves and yeah you know he, he just has a remarkable he he really knows the game understands the game is very good at tactics and he knows how to get the best out of players and how to uh hide their weaknesses and you know and spotlight their strengths so that's where i think he's definitely one of the best if not the best you know based on the talent that he has yeah. and what he's done with it I think he's done an incredible job. Yeah, and Miami, I think, had what, one, one 25 win season ever before he got here, and they've got five now, including two in a row since the FBI investigation that, you know, if you throw out those three years, like, you know, if they got to have, like, real teams for those three years, who knows yeah. where his resume no, would be right now. No, what he's done is, yeah, he's, what he's done is, is remarkable. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Yes. Deserving of all the love and the kisses from Nigel Pack. <laughs> I'm keeping you for too long, but we do need to talk about the women's team because that yes. uh, obviously, you know, probably the biggest win in program That's history. Biggest surprise. Yeah, yes. probably the biggest win in program history, upsetting Indiana in Bloomington. It's not um, probably, it is. Yeah. Not the probably. Only, this, yes. only the second ever trip to the Sweet 16, first ever for Katie Meyer. Um, and I mean, just like what a like thrilling game. I, I that is, um, you know, the women's tournament used to have the rep as being like, you know, there was always like, are they really March Madness? I think that was a recent thing that they got to use that trademark too. Um, right, you know, more and more upsets happening now in that tournament. It's the first time ever the two one seeds are out, uh, on the first weekend of the tournament. Um, and you know, that is the Miami Indiana game was 
one of the games of March so far. We no matter the tournament. Um, and yeah, like I said, huge big probably like you said, the biggest win in program history. Um yes. Katie Meyer deserves this, right? She's put in, you know, they've had so many close calls over the year. It's 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 good to see them finally. You know, it's it was a pretty glaring hole in her resume, but they obviously yeah, get a, get a big I mean, one this there. is a huge, huge moment, huge moment for her, huge moment for her team. You know, they I mean, to beat Indiana, the number one seed on yeah. their floor. I mean, you know, in the women's tournament, they still play, you know, the top seeds right. are they're on their home floor. That entire arena, that was like 15,000 people was- and, you know, 14,000 and you know, 14,999 were rooting for Indiana and the one well, was Reggie had, Wayne. They, they had 25 people rooting <laughs> yeah. for Miami. Including Reggie Wayne, members. who was in the building. Yeah. But, oh yeah, I saw Reggie Wayne. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was an unbelievable, you know, just an unbelievable upset in the way they did it. And the fact that Indiana came back yes. in that game and it looked yeah, like, there oh, were, okay, I think well, three times okay, they well, tied it up nice. in the last three minutes. Like, yes, yes. That's a team that usually the... The lower eight seconds. Uh, yeah, yeah. Usually like seconds. the inferior team, quote unquote, folds in that, especially in the women's tournaments where the you know, in the you get to play you're playing a road game. Um, but yeah, I mean Destiny Harden, I think it epitomized it all she goes oh one for God. four on free throws in the last minute there, but yeah, they go the right to her and wins the effing game. Or, yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> I mean, she was the clutch player, you know, against Louisville last yeah. year, you know. So she, when she steps up, I mean, the thing is when she plays well, she is just so brave and so courageous and she's a clutch player. She can be a really clutch player. And, you know, Haley Cavender showed that she's much more that the fans were chanting uh, stick to TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> she was shooting her free throws and she made her free throws and turned around and did, yep. the sh- you know, um, she, that girl has, you know, that woman has, you know, ice in her veins. She's a killer. She's yeah, really, hit a huge three down the stretch. Um, yes. The put Miami back up five. She, she's a, she is very, very competitive. She's a killer. And then Lola Pandande had an amazing game too. You know, she had a really good game that game and, you know, they all came together and they, they believed in themselves and they, and it was, it was a great thing because, you know, this team, the season started on the eve of the, the eve of their first game of the season. Yeah. They announced that Katie Meyer was suspended for three games. And then at the and then at the eve of senior day, they announced the, you know, the the sanctions. They're on probation, yeah. Yeah. And so it was really it had been a very, very difficult year emotionally for Katie. Very mm-hmm. difficult because she's she has such a clean cut reputation. She has such a wonderful reputation yeah. around the country. And so this really hurt her in a bad way. And um that there was any stain at all on her program was very painful for her. And, uh, you know, so it was a really tough season for her Yeah, and it, it rubbed off on her players. And so for them to be able to, to, you know, win her first sweet 16 ever, she's been yeah. there 18 years yeah. now. Um, that was just incredible. And now let's talk about, oh, by the way, not, not even to mention, uh, they came from, we're, we're like, we, there's too much other stuff to talk about, but they rallied from 17 down in the second oh, half yeah, of their first game. 17. So like, yeah, their first game, uh, they were down by yeah. 17 at halftime. So they came back from that. Then they beat Indiana. And now they're playing a Villanova team that has the number one scorer in the entire country. Maddie Segris. She mm-hmm. averages 29.2 points a game. She's had 30 points multiple times. And she had a 50 point game against Seton Hall, 50 points. She's the leading scorer of all time, you know, for, for Villanova. Yeah. And she's broken every single record that there is. 
So, uh, you know, she can score every which way. Um, she's going to be really difficult to stop. I mean, she is the number one scorer in the country. That's who they face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously the bracket, when anytime you knock out the number one seed, the bracket opens up a little bit, going to be a challenge, but um, you know, it's certainly have the, the chance now to make an even bigger run here. Um, before I let you go, just a win like that, you know, Miami women, the women's program has been, you know, very, very solid for basically all of Katie Myers tenure, a win like that. How does that change the outlook of this program going forward? And, you know, obviously this team seems like they're going to benefit from um, the NIL era, just like all these Miami, Miami teams are. And, and obviously uh, Miami, even before that is always a transfer hotspot. Uh, how, how does a run like this sweet 16 change the outlook and how would potentially an even deeper run maybe into the elite eight or, or final four change the, this program's future? You're talking about for the men or the women? For the women, for the women. For the women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the women, I mean, it is the one thing that was missing. It was really missing. For It was yeah. lingering, you know, as much as everybody loves Katie and we all love her. She's amazing. But, you know, there was the other year that I think they could have made a run like this. She she suspended, she and the team uh, suspended Bebe uh, Williams, Raquana mm-hmm. Williams. That was the team with Shanice Johnson and, and Bebe Williams were two of the best players in the country, both played in the WNBA mm-hmm. Shanice is now an assistant on this team so yeah. I actually congratulated her yesterday because she's finally getting get her chance yeah. at Sweet 16 that she really deserved before but this is the one thing that was really missing from Katie's resume and and now she can say that she's got a Sweet 16 and um you know I think that it will definitely help recruiting um the attention that the team has gotten this year from the media partly because of the Cavender twins let's face it yeah they have a million TikTok followers <laughs> getting a lot of attention um, so people are watching their games. They're getting a lot of attention from the media. They're getting a lot of attention from fans. And uh, I definitely think it's they're going to get a bump in recruiting. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next year. I think there will definitely be a bump starting next year in recruiting for them. Yeah. I think it helped that game was a standalone on uh, Monday night, too, after the men were well, yes. and competing with the World Baseball Classic. But for the most part, I think most Miami fans were able to kind of really lock into that game and, you know, the the casual Miami fans who maybe only watch the tournament games for the women, like that's probably the most exciting women's game they've ever watched. So other other than maybe the one before. So a lot based on the number of people who were retweeting my stuff and, (laughs) and, you know, reading the game story and a lot of people were watching that game. Yeah, a lot so that's of people a big, that game. big, so big good. moment for the program. Um, yes, all right, Michelle, absolutely. I will let you get going. you got to finish up writing before you catch a flight to Kansas City. Uh, you can follow Michelle on Twitter at Cough Sports. Uh, she's got your coverage from Kansas City this weekend. Hopefully uh, a long weekend there out in uh, the Midwest or the Great Plains. I don't know what they consider themselves. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. I'll obviously be uh, tweeting and stuff from my couch. So thanks as always for listening and we will talk to you guys next week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.